6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 145 through 150. The horn, of course, of an animal was representative of his strength or power and his protection and, his, and so forth. So the horn is used idiomatically here to mean authority or power. And it usually is also used to mean of a king or whoever the leader of a people is. He also exalteth the horn of his people. Now, this can only be Christ. And remember what the uh, angel promised Mary in Luke chapter 1 verse 30 to 33, that her child would sit on David's throne. He would be the horn of his people. At the time Gabriel told that to Mary, there was no one on David's throne. There was a Roman appointee of an Edomite, an enemy of Israel. Edom was an enemy of Israel. Herod was an Edomian or an Edomite. They haven't had a horn of their people on a throne to this day from then. He also exalted the horn of his people. Who is the psalmist alluding to whether he realizes it or not? Jesus Christ. He also exalted the horn of his people, indeed, indeed. The praise of all his saints, uh-huh. Even the children of Israel, a people near unto him, praise ye the Lord. Wow. Okay, now we have Psalm 149. It's a little primer on worship. In, its, in and of itself. All five are, but Psalm 149 is a, is, is a little a nugget here. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Really? David did. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. Now, timbrel is probably something very close to what we think of as a tambourine. Different kinds, but that kind of thing. And a harp. Notice all the instruments emerging here. Okay, dance and timbrels and a harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their couches. It says beds here, but it's in the sense of a, a, a social gathering, a couch. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people. Ooh, wait a minute. This is getting a little rough here. To bind their kings with chains. Oh, devoutly to be wished. <laughs> and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the judgment written, This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. You know, we got to keep in mind something that people overlook. 
When Jesus comes back to this earth, he's not going to be welcomed. The earth is not excited about it. That's what Psalm 2, in the, in the lead-off of these things, in, back there in Psalm 2, dealt with. You know? The, the, you know, that the uh, kings of the earth take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let's cast their bounds asunder. You've got to be kidding. See, Jesus is coming back to judge the earth. He came back as a suffering servant last time. This time, he has a different agenda. In fact, the mandate that he read in Isaiah chapter one, uh, 61, verses 1 and 2, that he read in the synagogue of Nazareth, remember he stopped at a comma. He didn't finish that passage. He stopped that comma and closed the book and says, this day is this fulfilled in your ears. The part he didn't read continued saying, and the day of vengeance of our God. That is yet future. That's coming. He's going to come back to judge the earth. And uh, thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. And... Uh, and judgment, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel, and so forth. You and I are living in a world that is heading for Judgment Day. I'm not saying it's a week from Tuesday, don't misunderstand me, but uh, it is coming. And as you get sensitive to what God is doing, you sense that it is on its way. Okay, last one. Now, each of the previous books of Psalms, remember we said there are five books of Psalms, right? Each of the four, previous four books of Psalms, book one, book two, book three, book four, had closed with a benediction. Psalm 41, the last verses 13, was a benediction. In the second book, Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19, were a benediction. In the third book, Psalm 89, verse 52, was a benediction. And the previous, Psalm 106, verse 48. In other words, the last verse or two of each of the four books had a benediction. This is the end of not only book five, but the book of Psalms. So the whole Psalm is a benediction, in effect, okay? The whole, the whole Psalm is devoted to praise. Let me be more precise. There are only six verses in it, and there are 13 hallelujahs in it. Get the message? <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead. Praise ye the Lord. What's that in Hebrew? Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, that's the covenant name of God. And uh, that's what it looks like in Hebrew. Remember, it goes, he, all letters go towards Jerusalem. And so it goes from right to left. And uh, Hallelel first, and then, the, then uh, Yah. And if you know the tetragonomy, yod Hey vav Hey, it's a yod and Hey. The vav Hey is implied in effect. Okay, but it's the covenant name for God in contrast to El because it, it says, praise you, Lord, praise God, the way that's translated in English, what they really mean, Hallelu El, El, the, the creation name of God. Praise you, the Lord, the covenant name, praise God in the sanctuary, the creator in the sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of, oh, yeah, by the way, this is Hallelujah. And the Yah is the German Yah, J, if you will, okay, in a sense, the way, way we might put it. We, th we say J, but uh, it's here in this use, use it's implied like as it was Y-A-H, Hallelujah, Yah, which is a, an abbreviated covenant name for God. Okay, 
Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Whew. Makes you really wonder what kind of instruments they had. You know, there's a lot of research going on. There's a lot of people have, but we really don't know. We know something about those things, but not nearly enough. I got a lot of questions from people that are in music, and, and I'm, I'm not uh, up to speed on that. I think there are people who are very serious study, students of the Bible that know music that may have some insights that I, 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 haven't, I haven't read up in that area. I'm not competent to really add something to that. I'm sure there is some, some research, but I haven't found it in the normal commentaries. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. There's two different kinds. And let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. That's sort of a catch-all. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. You know, I think that includes trees, because we know the trees, the trees clap their hands. I think it's, it's here and it's intended to be all, it's not breathing like lungs, it's, it's an all-expressive uh, concept, I believe. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath, breath praise the Lord. So there we are. We've done it. Let's talk a little bit about worship, though. That's what this is all about. What is worship? We use that term a lot. What is it really? Well, the one answer is Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. That's worship. Praise what? Ye the Lord. He is the creator. That's what we praise him for. He's also the redeemer. You know, it's important to understand that there's two primary roles that God has presented in, in throughout the Scripture. He's obviously the creator of the universe, and we could spend a whole hour, you know, amplifying that one. And, of course, he's also the dreamer. Which one is more important? Well, that's a tough question. Well, how do you tell what's more important? Well, one way to tell is how much of the Scripture is devoted to that role. Well, God is the creator. Let's talk about that. Gee, that's the, well, we've got the book of Genesis, a couple of chapters. Uh, we've got a couple of chapters in Job. We've got a few chapters in Isaiah. And, of course, some allusions all through. But uh, that's the, that pretty well summarizes what we think we know about him as a creator. Well, what about Redeemer? What, how much of the Bible is devoted to his act of redemption? Most of the book of Genesis, actually. Certainly the book of Exodus. That's what it's really all about. That, Leviticus, that's the procedure. That's the specifications. And, and, and even Numbers Deuteronomy can be portrayed that way. And as you suddenly realize, we, the history of Israel is, is one of their being redeemed and their need for continual re-needing of that. Uh, then we have, the, of course, the, the uh, prophets. It's all about redemption. That's what the Gospels are all about and the epistles. I mean, wow, okay. Most of the Bible is about redemption. Another way to decide which one's more important is what did it cost him? Well, he created the universe. He caused it, in a, you know, with the breath of his nostrils. I'm not demeaning it, but it sounds like he could do it again without too much sweat, huh? What did the redemption cost him? His son. Very expensive. Anyway, so thoughts on that. The question is, okay, who is to worship? See, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. 
There's no other reason for, God, for a man's existence. There's no other reason for a man's existence. And that again is Psalm 150. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. I think that's you and me, right? Praise ye the Lord. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. When the morning stars sang together. At the very creation, the, 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 uh, the, the sons of God, the term here in the Hebrew means the angels. They sang together and shouted for joy. <coughs> Psalm 96 says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Different category. Okay, who is to worship? Why do we worship? Well, we, to praise ye the Lord. There are three major words. Prostration. You see, uh, 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 worship is an active of, uh, uh, public, excuse me, it is actually a private action, not a public one. We may do it in public, but the real worship is a private uh, public worship is really almost an oxymoron. And uh, so the, one of the aspects of worship is prostration. At least emotionally and soul-wise, we should be flat on our face. The, the other, proskuneo uh, in the Hebrew, it means to bow the knee. Adoration is what it's all about. Adoration is a term of endearment. It's a love affair. This is not an intellectual exercise. It's a passion thing. And uh, the third word to be aware of, prostration, adoration, is exaltation. And surprisingly enough, not of God, take that for granted, no, of ourselves. Humanism is a deadening philosophy that leads man back to the jungles. Whenever we find someone encountering God, whether it's uh, Joshua, at the end of Joshua 5, can, with the, which with what we believe is Jesus drawing a sword there, um, he falls on his face. John in Revelation falls on his face. Isaiah in Isaiah 6 falls on his face. In each case, the word is arise, fear not. There's nothing that will give more dignity to man than the sincere worship of God that distinguishes him, that distinguishes him. Praise ye the Lord. Now, okay, we've been going through the book of Psalms. One of the things that we find as we go through is allusions to the character of the composition. We know the Psalms are a tefillah, that is a prayer. They're a praise. We ran into some that were called a miktam, a poem of gold. Some of the Psalms are labeled in terms of the character of this specific hymn or composition we're dealing with. Shir means a song. The Mizmor, that's a psalm to be sung with musical accompaniment. Many of them are so designated. Uh, Maskil, we saw that frequently. That's a psalm of instruction. That's like what some people call a didactic poem, a poem for a, whose purpose is instruction. And uh, the Shigeon is an irregular one and so forth. We talked about some of these. Many of them have annotations. Some of the objects are declared as their teaching or for thanksgiving or a call to remembrance. Uh, others had notices attached to them, a song for a Sabbath day, for Shabbat, right? Or a song of the going up. The, remember the songs of ascent from Psalm 120 to 134? They were songs of ascent. We have all these designations. 
And of course, David's psalm. A lot of these were David's. Uh, 73 of the 150 are attributed to David. Some actually signed and some just attributed. But Psalms of David's early life, there's 14 of those that seem to be focusing on his very early uh, uh, days. There were Psalms of the earlier part of his reign in Hebron and so forth. About 19 of those. Some of the Psalms of the, from the time of his great sin unto his flight from Jerusalem. Absalom's rebellion and all of that. Ten of those. Psalms of the exile uh, while he's on the run. And Psalms of his last period of his reign. There's three of those. So that's one way. And there are many more that he's done that they don't really... And I have not spent a lot of time going through trying to second guess where they really fit. Some scholars have really tried to trouble themselves with that. Uh, I'm sort of underwhelmed with the arguments. doesn't mean they're wrong, but I don't see that they help us understand what the, the real present value of that psalm is today, other than maybe just background. But So we haven't, we haven't tried to emphasize some of that. But uh, there are a number of psalms that are grouped together with labels. The shepherd psalms. Remember those? Which were the shepherd psalms? Anyone remember? 22, 23, and 24. 22 is as, as, as if he was hanging on the cross. 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and so forth. And also 24. There are a group that are called the kingdom psalms. Remember those? 46, 47, 48. In fact, 45, just before that was the marriage supper of the Lamb, if you may recall. The hallelujah psalms. Now, there are, if you, if you try, there are several groups that are thus called. 111 to 113 are called by some authors the Hallelujah Psalm, but certainly most uh, would designate 146 to 150, the last five that we took as being the Hallelujah Psalms. The Songs of Ascent. Now, this is a very important series uh, that they sang on the way up their, their annual, uh, or I should say their frequent pilgrimages to Israel. Three times a year, they would ascend up to Jerusalem. 120 to 134. Those 15 psalms are known as the Songs of Ascent. Or, and uh, the Royal Psalms, 94 through 99. These are kingdom psalms, uh, prophetic ones, uh, dispensationally, we believe. And then there's a group, interestingly enough, that are called the Pauline Psalms. That sounds like an oxymoron because they're written in the Old Testament, and yet they are designated by several, not less than Martin Luther and others, that call four of them Pauline Psalms because they tend to focus on our sinfulness and the redemptive act of God in dealing with that. And uh, 32, 51, 130, and 143 are called by some scholars the Pauline Psalms because they echo the book of Romans in many ways. Now, which psalm, here's a little test, see how many pass. Which psalm appears as if it's written first person singular, hanging on the cross? 22, good for you. Okay. Which psalm is a trilogue, that is not a dialogue, but a trilogue, a conversation among three people on the Trinity? Which one? Psalm 2, good for you, you guys are on your toes. Which is the shortest chapter in the Bible? Ooh, I got gotcha. you. 117? Okay, you want to memorize a psalm, 117. Yeah. Okay, which one was written by Moses? There's one of them that apparently was written by Moses. Which one? Anyone? 90? Okay. Which are the three most often quoted psalms in the New Testament? And I say three because there's a little debate among some scholars which one's first or second, and I won't go down that path. Let's just take the three that are clearly among the top three quoted. 22, 69, and 110. And the issue, 69, is regarded by many scholars as the second most quoted, but they seem to have a difference of view, and I didn't take the trouble to track down because some of these allusions are quite... Um, 
you know, subtle. So I didn't try to split ties between 22 and 110 for, for, for position number one. But the three are certainly frequently, frequently quoted throughout the New Testament. Okay. Which psalm implies that Judas was married and had children? This is the tiebreaker type of question. Obviously, 109. 109. Infer, we, we can infer from 109 that apparently Judas was married. That doesn't mean we're right, but it, the inference seems to be there. Uh, which psalm yields a glimpse of Christ's early years in Nazareth as a boy? Remember, we learned some surprising things that is, I don't think is recorded anywhere else in the Scripture of what a nightmare those 30 years in Nazareth really m meant for he and his mother. And that, of course, is Psalm 69. One of the most quoted psalms in the scripture. But for other reasons, not for that reason. Which is the most darkest, doleful of all the psalms? Anyone? Oh my goodness, got you napping. 88. 88. Which is the only psalm? This is a trick question. There is a psalm that's known as the only psalm because only is in there over and over and over again. That's just, it's a sort of a... Okay, anyone? 62. That's your little one you can tuck away for your Bible study group to stump them sometime. Which one was Martin Luther's favorite hymn? Anyone? 46. 46. Okay. Which is the longest chapter in the Bible? What? 119. Good for you. And which psalm has the rep repetitive refrain, His mercy endureth forever? 136. 136. Which psalm, and this is an important one to really know, heralds the attributes of God like few other? 139. 139. You should be able to sit down and write an essay on the attributes of God just elaborating Psalm 139. Which psalm represents David's repentance of his sin with Bathsheba? Good for you. 51. Right on. Good. Which one is suggestive of the marriage supper of the Lamb? I told you just a few minutes ago. 45. Okay, just a little fun. Now for your next session, I'd like you to consider, since you'll have a little break, I'm sure, undertake a systematic commitment to the Psalms for your life. I won't spell it out. You design your own, read a psalm a day, however you want to do it. There's all kinds of ways. But I'm going to suggest that you immerse yourself in the psalms. And I'm not sure I'd try to absorb all of them, but I would find those that you respond to and really immerse yourself in those. In fact, you might want to memorize those that are the most dear to you. I gather from a study of history that that turns out to be one of the most precious things in the lifetime of many of the great leaders of, of history to do that. And then the next thing, of course, you can cho choose the next book to explore expositionally, verse by verse. Don't stop now. We've gone through Psalms, great. But from here you go on and pick a book, go through it verse by verse, but whatever mechanisms you find comfortable. If you're good at self-study, just do it on your own. If you tend to benefit by being part of a small group, either face-to-face -face or on the internet, by all means do that. But continue a systematic commitment to the Word of God. And I don't mean just devotionally. The Psalms are devotional. I'm talking about expositionally. Pick a book, dig into it, and may God bless your adventure.
Let's bow our hearts. But Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you have given us your word. What a precious thing that is. And indeed, Father, we do joy in praising you. We thank you, Father, you've allowed us this brief, quick survey of your precious, precious word. And Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are a gracious God, a merciful God, a loving God, a resourceful God. Oh, Father, how we do love you. And we thank you, Father, not only for your creation, but above all, Father, we thank you for your redemption, the extremes that you've gone to that we might live, that the, the injustices and the sin and the, the presumption and the ingratitude that characterizes us has been taken care of by the gift of your Son. We thank you, Father. We do pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit and your Word, you would increase in each of us an endearment, a passion for your Word, that we might indeed partake of it, that we might digest it, that we would meditate upon it, and in so doing, that we would grow in grace, and in the knowledge of the ultimate son of David, the ruler coming to take over this planet. We do pray, Father, that you would help us to be more effective stewards of these treasures you've entrusted to us, that we would be more effective with the opportunities that you put before us as we come before you and commit ourselves into your hands without any reservations whatsoever in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, when we begin a new series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music